Well, as we begin in, or continue in our series here on Prayer Plus, we are continuing to look at the model prayer that Jesus has given to you and to me in how to learn how to pray. And so uh, this week, we're going to look at something specific. We're going to look at this idea of forgiveness. We're going to look at this idea of our sin because Jesus leads us into this part of the conversation. Now, for me as a child, when I was a kid, I don't know where I learned it, probably from my parents, probably the little times I was in Sunday school. We had learned to pray, you know, God, forgive us our sins. You know, forgive up and forgive me of my sins. And I would go to bed routinely at night as a child and just lay down and I would say to God, 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 forgive me of my sins. And I don't know if it was because, you know, I did something bad or I just thought, hey, that's what I was supposed to pray as a kid. But I would pray it every single night practically before I went to bed just because, hey, that's what I did. But I didn't really know the words. I didn't really understand what I was saying or what I was engaged until many years later in my senior year of high school, I, was, um, I found myself in front of my mother, uh, completely convicted by the Spirit of God because I was high on marijuana and she knew it. I was, eating, I was having the munchies, eating all kinds of crazy stuff in my house. And um, she's like, what are you doing? And the words that she spoke were so potent and so clearly from God that a man instantaneously sobered me up, woke me to the reality of where I was at. And about a few days later, I found myself at a, um, at a Wednesday night youth group at a, at a church in town with the, where they had a tent and everything set up because that's what they were in at the time. And there was a gospel call to give your life to Christ. And it, for the first time, it made sense. And I remember coming up front, kneeling down and just bawling my head off as I started to realize what it meant to actually be forgiven of my sin. You know, it's one thing to pray it all those times and to realize that what I thought was just a small prayer, God was answering in that moment. And suddenly it was all crashing in. The entire reality of how I'd harmed people and the entire reality of how I had affronted God and what a sin was and just the incredible angst that was in my soul as I began to work through that process. And maybe you've gone through something similar, but this is a good illustration of what I think Jesus is getting, getting at today, that we do not want to continue on in our prayer life here as we focused on God move through these things to get to asking God to forgive us, forgive us of our sins and simply be flippant. Like it's no big deal. Yeah, God, forgive me my sins. Forgive others. Moving on. And this is the way we can't pray as we enter into this last final section. Jesus is going to challenge us with this concept today. And so Let's look at this. It's found here in Matthew chapter 6. Grab your Bibles, everybody. Open up to Matthew 6, 12, your home. You can uh, grab your Bibles as well, and you can check this out. We're going to be looking at page 811 in the Bibles under your seats if you need that, or you can look on your apps. What we're going to be doing is looking at a very simple set of statements that Jesus has for us. But once again, quick review. If you're with us in this Prayer Plus series, this is your first time here, we've been walking through a very famous prayer called the Lord's Prayer. And uh, Jesus taught his disciples how to pray. And as we're engaging this prayer, many of us have prayed this prayer, but we pray it like just something that's rote, something you memorized and you just say it off the cuff. But Jesus wants us to realize it's a model of prayer. This is not something you just say. This is actually something that you hang your thoughts on as you're praying. And so we started with the idea that we need to focus not on other people around us, not on ourselves, but we focus on our Father who is in heaven, who is present with us, and then we ask his name to be cherished and loved like the Uber Bowl trophy, you know, that comes out and people are kissing it and, and falling over about it. And we want to move to this idea of, I want to be on God's plan in his kingdom, 
not, on, not getting God on my plan or my kingdom. And then we want to get into the fact, now we can ask for what we need. God, give us our daily bread. You know, I have needs, I have things I want. And if your basket's full, it's an opportunity to help somebody else in their needs and their wants. And so as we look at this, I want you guys to grasp then that we've now moved from focusing on God to our problems to now a critical part in our relationship with God. And so Jesus gets us right here, and now he tells us to pray this. And forgive us our debts, and I'll pause, because this is a really interesting phrase. When we start here, just forgive us our debts. Why doesn't he just say, forgive us our sins? I mean, in Luke, he actually says, forgive us our sins. But here, in Matthew's version, we have, forgive us our debt. And this is an interesting thing, because we get forgiveness. I think a lot of us understand that forgiveness is to be released you know, from the guilt and released from having to pay back the other person in some sense. But listen, we need to be careful when we enter in a conversation with God and we're talking to God and we're saying, God, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my debts. Don't think, one, that this is easy. And number two, don't think that that means it's going to erase all your problems on earth, right? I think that a lot of us go to God and we ask him to forgive us of our sins. If we were being honest, we're asking God to, God, please forgive me my sins and remove all the consequences, I don't want to have to face my, my, my spouse for the things that I said or did. I don't want to have to tell my children. God, I don't want to have to go to my boss and talk about this. I don't want to lose my job. I don't want to have to go to jail and go through that trial. God, I confess. I forgave. I, I'm asking you to forgive me. If you forgive me, it's all good. And the answer is no. God forgives us of our sins, but that doesn't mean the earthly consequences go away. God's going to use those earthly consequences to shape you, to change you, to develop you into who you're supposed to be. And so sometimes God may release you from those, but the vast majority of the time, those things stay. Those people still go to jail. We still find ourselves having to explain ourselves to our spouses, our bosses, our coworkers, and we still have to pay back that debt. We still have to face the IRS, whatever it is. And so as we begin to look at this, we want to realize we are not praying, God, release me from my consequences. We're asking him to release us of our debt. Release us of our, what in the world is this debt? Why is he using that word? And that's hard for us because let's be honest, as Americans, we love us some debt. Isn't that true? I, mean, I, I could ask you guys to all raise your hands about how much debt you got, but that would just be embarrassing because we all got it. There's, unless you're on the FPU plan and you're like Dave Ramsey, like all the way, you've, you've destroyed all your debt. Amen. Praise God for you. We're all jealous. Amen. So the rest of us, we know we have debt. But here's the thing. In our world, we think debt's no big deal. To be quite honest, you're told to leverage your debt. You're told to use debt in, as in, a, in a difficult situation. Use your credit card. That's debt. Using, having a house payment, that's debt. We indebt ourselves all over the place because it's not as dangerous to indebt yourself as it was in the ancient world. See, in the ancient world, you did not want to get yourself in debt because once you got yourself in debt, you were in a precarious situation. And when you got in debt, you usually, you usually had to borrow money for some kind of thing, maybe or borrow seed or borrow something that you were putting into the ground and you were trusting God was going to get you a crop and enough crop that you could pay back the person and then still have enough for your family and still have enough to make a little bit of money off of so that you could survive. And this is the world that you lived in. You were one disaster away when you were in debt of being in trouble. You are one disease, one bad week of sickness or one bad situation away from where you couldn't get the crop you needed, you couldn't get the, the, the food or the market to market the things you needed, you were stuck. And what you need to realize is when that happened and you fell into a situation where you couldn't pay off your debt, you had one place you were going. 
And that was into slavery. You're headed into what was called indentured servitude. And it was a situation in which you now served as a slave to another person that you owed all of this to because you couldn't pay it off. In fact, not just you, your family would enter into debt until you enter into the slavery, until you paid all of the pennies off, everything that you owed with its interest and everything else. And to be honest, outside of Israel, where you only could be a slave for a maximum of six years, usually spent the rest of your life and your children would spend the rest of their lives paying off your debt. Now, when you start thinking in those terms that Jesus is saying, you know, turn to your father in heaven and say, Father, forgive us our debts. You realize this is a difficult, precarious situation he's telling us because we apparently have some kind of debt that we owe God. There's some kind of amount that we need to pay back to God. But here's the question. What do we owe God? Honestly, what what do you think we owe God? I mean, when we, we as Americans, we, we kind of feel like, well, do we really owe God anything? I mean, I don't know. And he had to even stop just for a minute. Stop and think. What do we owe God? Everything. I mean, think about it. Stop. Well, did he not make this universe that we are dwelling in that has been here far before any of us were here? Newsflash, the universe didn't start when you were born. It, it's been here a long, long time right? The earth is his environment. It's his animals. It's his world. It's his creation. And we got to be brought into it. And none of us asked to be brought into it. I had a child who used to complain. I didn't ask to be born, you know, that kind of a thing. And he was right. None of us asked to be here. Our parents didn't ask to be here. You didn't pick the family you were born into. You didn't pick the time you were born into. You didn't pick the nation you were born into. You were just here because God made you Well, I'm made of stardust. It's his stardust. It is his sun. It's his universe. And you are made of his particles. And the soul that you have was fashioned by him. You owe him everything. You breathe his air. You sit on his his furniture. You walk on his carpet. We sit in his room, not just because you're in a church. He owns it all. Because fundamentally, it's all his. And everything we have and everything we do should then have an orientation. See, God didn't just make you to make you. He made you so you would know him. He made you so there would be a relationship between you and God. He made you so there would be a purpose in your life that he has for you on this planet. What we have done to God is we have sinned. See how small that word sounds? Did you hear sin? None of you went, oh my gosh, we sinned? Nobody did that in here. What you did is you're like, yeah, so? Because we think of sin like, oh, I said a little lie. <laughs> oh, it's sinfully delicious. <laughs> you know, we use this term all the time. In fact, we use sin as like, it's something you want to go run after, something you should go do. Sin has somehow been so minimized in our culture. It's such a small thing because we think, why would God ever send anybody to hell for saying a lie? Why would God ever send anybody to hell for being, you know, for just cheating on something once? I mean, come on. That's, you got the wrong concept of sin. Sin's a debt. If we owe God all of our life and everything that we have is his and he has given it to us and we've, in a sense, borrowed it from him, then the orientation of every day and every waking moment and every time we do anything should be aimed at thanking him and giving our life back to him and doing what he's called us to do and living according to him because that's what we owe him. And sin then is not simply I've done something wrong. It is ignoring his rules. It is ignoring his ways and basically telling God, get lost. Here's the bird. I'm doing my thing. 
Imagine with me you've raised children for a minute and you've poured hundreds of thousands of dollars into your children. You've given them a home. You've given them food. You've given them the years. You've gotten wrinkles over it. You know, this kind of thing. And your child, when they grow up, looks at you and says, thanks, mom. Thanks, dad. You guys are punks. I'm leaving. I'm going to ruin my own life. And walks away. You'd be like, oh, no, you didn't. I brought you in this world. I can take you out. That's exactly what we would say, right? Because here's the point. We understand that's an affront to everything that you've done. And yet what we do as humans, after God has given us all of this world that was there before us and all this stuff, and we look at him and go, you know what, God? I don't need you. I don't care about you. I'm going to do it my way. I don't even believe you exist, even though everything around me seems to exist before I was here. Uh, Get lost. I got this. Here's the bird. That is sin. It is an ultimate sinful, bent in our system that we are an affront to God, that every moment and every time and every day and every second that we simply sit here and tell God, get lost, I got it, my way or the highway, you need to take the highway, God, I'm king here. King over my body, king over my house, king over my mind, king over my soul. I get to choose when I, come, when I do what I do with my body, when I'm gonna leave this earth, it's mine. That's what our world is saying. That's sin. And it is an affront to God. And I don't know about you, if that happened to you, you probably wouldn't forgive it. But I can pay it off, right? I mean, I can just do good things and be nice to God and come to church and thank him. No, that's what he expected us to do in the first place. Jesus uses the word debt because we have nothing to pay with. The only recourse that you and I have left is to fall on our knees and beg the king of the universe, the one who gave us everything, to say, would you please forgive me of the debt that I owe you? Because I'm in major trouble here. And when we capture that orientation, you will not pray through this flippantly. You will begin to realize how many moments and how much time and how much abuse and how much arrogance and how much affrontedness we've given over to God. And the pile in the debt is so large. So large. And suddenly we go, okay, will he even forgive me? That's a lot I owe him. And what's beautiful about the New Testament, what's beautiful about the Old Testament, what's beautiful about the Bible is that it clearly tells us, yes, God is willing and he is faithful to forgive us. So much so that he was willing to to come and bear our sin on a cross to forgive us. So that as John would say, he would turn to him and say, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Check that verse out again. He says, if we confess our sins, real quick, that doesn't just simply mean, say, list your sins before God. It means to actually come to agreement with God about that this is sin. It was one thing for me as a kid to just list those little sins off and go, yeah, I lied. Yeah, I did something, blah, 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 blah. God, forgive me my sins. That's to be flippant. In this case, he says, you need to confess. Confession is acknowledging, God, this is horrific. This is awful. Look what I've done to you. Look how I've treated you. Look how I've, how I've entered into life against you. Look how I've rebelled against you. And it's to literally confess to say the same thing that God says about your actions, to agree with him. That's to confess. Then he's faithful and just to forgive us. Then he's ready to lean in and help us out. And here's what's funny. We, we read this and we go, well, he's faithful and just, or he's right then to forgive us. So I'm going to confess because I want to because God has to forgive me, right? I mean, God's God. If I ask him to forgive me, he has to. 
No, no, God actually doesn't have to forgive you. God has to judge you. A good God must judge rightly evil. He has to bring himself justice. He does not have to forgive you. And this is the frightening moment. If he doesn't have to forgive me, why would he be faithful to do so? You see, we, we, we in our culture have ended up in a weird place. We, we've come to the problem where we think people deserve this concept called mercy. That somehow God, I said, God, have mercy on my soul. And he looks down and he goes, oh, you know what? And he looks at us. We actually believe that he looks down at us. And he says, you know what? You're my Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Some of you know what I'm talking about. All right. Um, he looks down and says, hey, you, you have such special value. You're my creation. You're my, you're my thing. Oh, I love you. Oh, you, I want, you know, this is this value that I have. And he thinks, you, you think, oh, God's got to forgive me. I'm his creation. I'm his kid. Oh, look at me. I'm so special. No, no, no. There was a church that thought that. There was a church that got to the idea that somehow they were special, somehow they were all that, a bag of chips, that they were the God's Chick-fil-A, you know, because they had lots of money. Woo! They were amazing. They were called Laodicea. And when Jesus writes a letter to them through John, this is what he tells them. You think that you say, I am rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. I got this. And he says, you're not realizing. And this is how God views this church. This is how God views people. That you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Let's break this down for one second. Wretched. Do we even realize what that word means anymore? Wretched. You know, we always sing, who saved a wretch like me. So what's this word wretch anyway? Well, I'll give you an example of what wretched is. A few uh, weeks ago, uh, my, my youngest son, I don't know what he was feeling. He just wasn't doing well. And he had an upset tummy before he went to school and all this stuff. And I think he just ate something bad. And it, for some reason, he decided he wasn't going to make it all the way to the toilet to throw up. And he stopped right in front of my bedroom or on the carpet right in front of my door and goes, <laughs> it looked like just the chunkiest, craziest stuff I've ever seen in my life. It was nasty. And this isn't a nice tile to clean off. This is in the carpet. So my boys are like, that's gross. They're like, the other ones are backing up, staring at it from a distance. And it's my turn to clean it up since I'm the dad. So my wife's taking my daughter to school. So I grab the, the paper towels and I start scooping. And I mean scooping this stuff up. off. And you know what's going on? As I'm doing this, I'm going like, <laughs> I'm trying not to add to this problem, right? Like, that's called a dry heave. Y'all ever had dry heaves before? Oh, you're probably having them right now as I'm talking. <laughs> That's called retching. It's what you do when you vomit. You retch. It's not a fun look. You're cleaning up this stuff. And why, I call it, why we call it wretched is because the vomit itself makes me want to vomit. It is wretched. When God looks at us, he doesn't go, oh, it's much, it's my, it's my, oh, so beautiful. He goes, Oh, man, where'd that come from? Oh. We don't think of God in heaven looking down on earth, looking at his creation and all his people and seeing them going like, we think of him as like the grandpa going, he's so cute, it's like Christmas, I'm going to give you presents and I love you. And he's up there going, oh, am I even going to make it? Oh. 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 We're wretched, Jesus says. We owe this giant debt. And when he sees us, he 
wretches. And then he says we are pitiable. We get poor, we get blind, we get naked, but pitiable. And when this pity comes upon him, first he goes, oh, he's like, oh, these people, oh. It's like when you see someone with some nasty disease all over their arm, you see photos of it in medical examinations, and you're like, this is disgusting. And the next thing you feel is like, oh, I feel so bad for that person who has that. Exactly what God does. He doesn't look at you and go, oh, it's so cute. He wretches, and then he feels such a great pity. That used to be what the word mercy meant. Today, mercy means we've, oh, give the guy a break. He's a good guy. In the ancient world, pity meant mercy. Oh my gosh, look how bad of a state there. And we got to do something about this. He had compassion. Where no compassion is expected. I don't have compassion on things that make me wretch. But out of pity, he saw our condition. He sees where we're at. And he's moved from the pity of our position to have compassion upon us. So much compassion that not only is he willing to come into our condition, he's willing to come down on this planet, not only scoop up the vomit, but put it all over himself so he becomes it. Hang on a cross and desperately die so that we might be set free. And so when Jesus says, pray this prayer, oh, forgive us our debts. The mountain is high and it reminds me not to just stop and go, forgive us our debts and move on. It's, oh my gosh, I'm in such a pitiable state. I am in such a broken position. I am in such a miserable place. I have nothing to pay. I can only beg forgiveness. You even wretch when you see me and yet you love me. Oh God, forgive me. Give me mercy. Have pity upon me because of the great debt. You see what Jesus is doing? He doesn't want you to just fly through this. He wants you to stop and remember the state that we are in so that we can be set free because God is willing to forgive. Some of you don't believe that. I'll be honest, there are some of you in this room today, you are telling yourself right now, that's great, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, God wretches at me, trust me. It's, it's, I'm a nasty, ugly, broken human. And I know people believe this because I've seen them. I was in a charter grove once where we were preaching and doing evangelism when I was a very young Christian. And it was the first time I ever encountered this where some lady sitting, uh, some teenager sitting on a beanbag chair in her sweatsuit with her hair hanging in her face started screaming at us after we were done presenting that God would forgive them in Christ. And she says, God would never forgive me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. He would never forget me. Her so broken, so pummeled that she had no belief that God could love her. And there may be somebody in this room who is in that same exact state. You may really believe you've done such horrible things. You've done such evil that God could never forgive you. And it's just not true. In this room today are people who have been forgiven of, far, of, of great and horrific things, including myself. And what I'm going to ask you guys to do for a second, just for those who might be in those places, is to take a minute and to present a testimony. So for the next four hours, you're going to stand up and share your story. No, that's not what I mean. But I do believe there is a way that we can do this. But it's going to require you to be courageous. If we can't be courageous in church, where can we be courageous? Amen. And so I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe you never thought you'd have to do at church, and that is to actually acknowledge what Jesus has forgiven you 
of. Not asking you to acknowledge something that, he, that you're working on right in this moment, but, but I'm saying Jesus has forgiven you of these things. And as a testimony to the people who, who are still needing to hear of how great he is willing to forgive, then please, please do me a favor. When I mention one of these, be willing to stand up and acknowledge it. Be willing to share your testimony just by standing up saying, that's me. I was forgiven of that. As a, as a testimony to Christ, if you've been forgiven of something like stealing, maybe it was shoplifting, maybe it's something in the realm of just taking something that wasn't yours, you never gave it back, and Christ has forgiven you that, I'm going to challenge you to stand up as a testimony to those around who need to hear that. Maybe it's brawling. You've used your fists in a manner to harm someone. Maybe it's been an abuse. Maybe it's been in fights. Maybe it's just with an anger that's out of control. You've been willing to be forgiven of that in Christ. Maybe it's in the realm of lust, whether it's with pornography, maybe it's gotten to adultery, maybe it's been sex before you were married, maybe you've gotten yourself in a situation where you were living with the person that you said you love, but you haven't been married to them. Maybe you've had an abortion and you've been set free from that and you've been removed from that situation. Maybe it's racism that caught your heart and you've been forgiven of that racism because it had taken you over. Maybe you find it's lying, that you've used your words in so many ways to get out of so many situations. At this point, I think everybody would be standing, but uh, let's just be honest. Because the rest of you, if you're looking around, you're thinking, I'm so glad I didn't stand up. Maybe you've been forgiven of pride. And if you're looking around going, man, that guy stood up earlier for stealing. I can't wait to go tell my friend. Maybe it's gossip. There are so many things that people don't realize we've been forgiven of. They think we're a bunch of holy people that sit around our huddles thinking everybody else is worse. But no, it's been bigotries. It's been racisms. It's been the mess of human life from murder and down. I know people in our church who've been forgiven of horrific, horrific things. And they live in such peace with God. I stand with you guys in all this. And if you are one of those who doesn't believe God can forgive you, just look around, my friends. Look around. We stand as testimonies of the things that God has forgiven us of. Let that sink in because he is out in the forgiveness business. Thank you, guys. You can sit down. <coughs> in fact, I just want to take a minute. Let's just praise God for the amount of forgiveness he's given. Amen. Jesus starts us here because he wants us to see something. He wants us to see our state. He wants us to see our debt. He wants us to be dependent upon our Father so that he, then he does something. Oh, and he's such a stinker. God, Jesus is so good at this stuff because the next part of the prayer is so interesting. He goes on, he says, we pray, Father, forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. In a very real way, he's saying that we must forgive wrong done to us. Notice how he put that. Look again at it. That we also have forgiven. This is past tense. It's assumptive. He's assuming we already did it. And so we go, wait, 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 wait. We just stood up. We said, God's forgiven us of our sins. You tell me if I have something against somebody else, now I got to sit back down because he didn't. 
But Jesus makes it worse. He doesn't make it better. Look, look what he says in verses 14 and 15. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, we don't ever say this out loud together. No wonder we tagged an ending on. Uh, it goes on to say, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. This sounds conditional. <laughs> like, wait a minute, Jesus. You're like, you, you won't forgive me if I don't forgive someone else? What are you doing? What is going on here? Because I'm totally confused now. I thought you were willing and faithful to forgive us if we confess our sins, even cleanse us of unrighteousness. But now if I have something against somebody else, there's a problem? Yep. In some ways, yep. But let's be careful. Let's be careful because what Jesus is doing here, he's doing something kind of important. He's trying to wake us to something. It's a lot like my professors did when I, one of my professors in particular, when we got to our finals in, in our, my seminary, we sat down and it was finals day. We're all nervous anyway. We got to take these tests and get all this stuff done. One of my stinker professors, he stood up in front of us. He'd do this every year. And we would bow our heads and he says, God, I just ask that you'd bless these students today and that you would allow them to get the grade that is according to the amount of time that they studied. In Jesus' name, amen. I was like, you're a punk. <laughs> Professor punk. You know, just like, Ugh. But this is exactly what Jesus is doing. He's trying to wake you up. Oh, how long did I study? Oh, is there somebody I need to forgive? Because once you've been forgiven of the mound of sin and the, and the attitude of sin and the garbage of sin and it's come into your knowledge of what you've been forgiven for, once you've come to this place and you've pitied yourself, how can you not forgive other people? I sinned against God all this much, but dude, that guy sinned way more than I ever did to God. Really? Really? And what Jesus is getting to is he's saying there, we need to be the kind of people who forgive. This is the result of being forgiven, is that we become a forgiving people. That the very result of receiving such forgiveness is that I give it away. I can't help it. I have to set people free from the prison of my mind because Jesus set me free from his prison. I'm not going to hell because of his forgiveness I'm not going to hold other people in my hell, in my head, waiting for judgment and justice. This is the marks of true Christians. See, we want to be like our master Jesus. We want to be like him. And so what was Jesus like on the cross as he's being crucified? And you'll see as they're dividing his garments, he's praised this. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And Jesus is dying here on a cross and he's willing to go, and I'm still going to forgive them. I'm still asking you to forgive them. I'm releasing them. This is incredible. Because this is our calling as Christians to be the kind of people who are forgiving, who live in forgiveness. And this is why he started with us for asking for our forgiveness, then tying it to the forgiveness of others. Because when he's focused is that we would be reminded of our pitiable state so that we would stop thinking that we're above anybody else. I mean, really, when you realize your pitiable state, and we look around, man, we should be seeing that everybody else is in the same pitiable state. And it shouldn't be surprising. My daughter Adeline, she, she just started public school this year. She was homeschooled. We taught her to make her own bread and to sew her own clothing. It was awesome. I'm just kidding. 
No, we, uh, she started homeschool, kind of went through private school, then came back homeschool. Now she's at the public high school you know, here at Santiago. And so she gets there in her first week. I mean, she was nervous already to go because she didn't really know a lot of people. So she sits down and she's meeting all these kids, man. She's hearing more cussing than a, a rated R movie could ever distribute and ever. She's like, what's a rated R movie? And because she's homeschool. But the point is that she's a... Uh, where she's just getting inundated and they're talking about boys in this way and this thing and that thing and things are showing up on phones and she's just going like, she's like coming home and she didn't say these words but this is like what it's like. She's like, this is the den of Satan. It's like crazy. These people are talking evil. And she was freaking just out because of just the amount of just devastation that she was witnessing from teachers and students all over the place. And, 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 she, and we sat down, we talked about this. She's like, God, they're just so, they're just, it's just so bad. And these people are, and I said, babe, you need to remember something. All you're seeing are symptoms. What symptoms? What are you talking about? Symptoms of their sin. Just as your pride and your wanting to judge them and my wanting to is a symptom of my sin. See, when we come to the reality that we're all in a pitiable place, we're all in a great debt before God, and the only way out is to be forgiven, is to come to the conclusion that all we are seeing is just the symptoms of human being sins. And so we are not surprised when our children who are homeschooled suddenly start sinning greatly as adults. We're not surprised when our homeschooling, you know, Bible-awarded, perfect attendance at church children start sinning massively. You shouldn't be surprised when your spouse sins against you. By the way, did you know you were married to a sinner, right? And so we shouldn't be like, he, he did this to me and I just can never forgive him. Forgive us our debts. Jesus is pausing you. He's stopping you. Really? Every day we're going to pray this and we're going to ask to be forgiven of our debts as we forgive those. And we're going to hold something against our spouse, something against our children, something against that employer, something against that, that, that HOA, Greg, something against, <laughs> something against that, maybe, maybe it's that family member. We, we've got to stop and go, wait, 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 I'm not a victim. Christianity does not produce victims. We do not stand with the culture and say, you know what, I need this restitution and I need you guys to accept me and I need you all to change and believe in the same thing I do and you need to do this and you need to do that because you've all hurt and harmed me in some way and you need to all cut it out and give it back and pay it back. I want justice and I want it now. We want God's kingdom, but we don't want man's justice because we are a people who forgive. We are a people who are harmed constantly and we forgive. We will become a people in this culture when the media points its guns at us that will they, there will be groups that want our church shut down because of what we believe and how we disagree with them. There will be people who want us to shut up and not give the gospel out in our culture because they want us to stop telling people about Jesus. There will be groups and there will be times where the government will produce laws and things will shift because that is the nature and the course of a broken, sinful, symptomatic people and our job, cultural, corporately, is to what? Forgive. It's to forgive. Now, that doesn't mean the consequences go away. 
Again, just as our consequences by God don't go away, it doesn't mean you're like, well, don't let him go to jail. No, no, you're forgiving because it's a transformation of your own heart towards the person. It's the move from I want them condemned God, I want them crushed, crushed, crushed to God, you're gonna do what you want with them. Even if it's to save them, I give them to you, I forgive them. It is releasing them from the prison and the hell of your own mind and your own justice and your own seeking for that justice to crush, kill, or do whatever you need to do to get what you want. No, it is forgiveness. Forgive me, Father, of my debts as I forgive those who are indebted to me, the debtors around me. That means that we don't hold grudges against each other. The church is a place full of forgiveness. Again, if you want a different, you need to go back to the Versus series if you want to hear the difference between reconciliation and forgiveness. Again, forgiveness is the releasing of someone. Reconciliation is the rebonding through trust. Those are different subjects. So don't mix those up in your head. Forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is remembering, but releasing the consequences to God. Forgiveness is not having clear boundaries. It's not that you erase the boundary. No, I forgave him. Come back in my life and abuse me some more. No. Forgiveness is the release of the judgment of the person to God. And it is a daily release. It is a constant release because you understand they are in as pitiable as a state as I am. The one pitiable person preaching to a bunch of pitiable people who are trying to reach a bunch of pitiable people because God is offering a forgiveness of our debt. That's what we're doing. We're not greater. We're not lesser. We're not the victims. We're forgiven. And we forgive. And this is how we work. And so you may need to do that kind of forgiveness every day. No wonder Jesus tells us, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts. He attaches the daily to the, to the forgiveness. Guys, sometimes it's going to take you every day to let people go. It's going to take you every day to forgive them and release them, no matter how bad it's been in your marriage, no matter how bad it's been at your workplace, no matter how bad it's been in your church, no matter how bad it's been. We must get to the place where we can pray and release them to God, even if God chooses to save them in Jesus Christ, and we should be able to receive them in Christ into our lives in eternity. It is not easy to forgive. It is difficult to forgive. But it's because of what we've been forgiven that we're capable of a great forgiveness. I want to challenge you guys. Maybe today there's something that you need to forgive as we learn to forgive each other and we learn to forgive others that you need to engage with. And what I want to do is I want to encourage you. You have these pieces of paper that are in your hands right here. I want you to take them out. They're special pieces of paper, not just any normal piece of paper. And if you don't have one, they're available also up here. But what we're going to do today is we're going to just do a small um, kind of visual opportunity. And that is to take and write on this piece of paper. Maybe it's the sins that you feel that you need God to forgive you for today. And let me tell you, if you've never received Jesus Christ into your life, that this can be a moment where you can do that. If you finally understand that your sin is not just something you've done or, yes, it's this list, but this list represents the affronts to God and the arrogance you've given to him. They hear that God is willing to forgive you. He was willing to bear all of your sin and make a great exchange with you, to take all your garbage, all your guilt on the cross 
and give you all his goodness and all his truth and all his righteousness so you can stand right before God. That way you can have a relationship with the one who created you. That You can begin to journey knowing that you won't wind up in the prison of hell, but you'll be set free to walk with him in heaven because he gives it as a gift and it's something to receive. Maybe this is the first time you've ever done something where you've confessed your sin and asked God to forgive you in Christ and you use this paper. You can just simply write down that request and give over those sins and we're gonna come forward during this song. We're gonna just drop these things in these bowls. Now, this isn't about drinking the Kool-Aid. We're not gonna do that today. It's about taking this. And the best way this works, because these papers dissolve in the water, is to take your written paper, don't fold it, just drop it face down in the water, and it'll dissolve. Because in the same way, when we bring our sins to the blood of Christ, they're gone, they're washed, they're cleaned. Maybe today, it's not you need to write down a bunch of sins. Maybe it's a bunch of people that you need to forgive. Put their name on there. Bring it before the Lord and say, I'm releasing them to you. Don't just drop it in. Take a minute. Release it. Ask for that forgiveness. He's ready to unburden you. Because this is our God. He loves us. Pitiable, poor, wretched people that we are. He loves us. Then I make him greater and bigger. Amen. Let me pray. Father in heaven, we desire your name, your great, awesome name to be known, to be worshiped in this world. Father, we thank you for the opportunities that we have to come close to you and to be on your page. God, put us on your page in your kingdom. Help us to work and live where we are bringing about your will. And all of our needs, God, we lay them before you today, whether they're health-related, whether whatever they are, would you just enable us to do that? And now we just come. We ask that you would help us, God, to um, be forgiven. We, we long to be forgiven of our debts. Help us to forgive those who sinned against us. God, as we go through this week, we're going to enter into trials. We pray that you'd help us through them and that we wouldn't fail so that your name would be known. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.